Hi everybody, welcome to Transform Church and thank you so much for joining us. My name is Mark Bassani and I will be your online host for this service. So please share this video with your family and friends and ask them to join you as well. We're just about to sing a couple of songs, so please join us as we begin. Jesus, Jesus, 
Hey everybody, welcome back again. We're just about to get into today's message, which is titled, Pack Your Bags. And our speaker for today will be Pastor Gregory J. Williams. So if you could do us a favor by sharing this broadcast on your social media platform and share it with family and friends. And also if you can click on the thumbs up icon in Facebook, or if you're joining us on YouTube, also do the same, and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Pack your bags, all right? So some of you are saying, but we already packed our bags, we're already here, but still, there's a lot of unpacking still to do, right? So that's what we're gonna talk about today. Pack your bags. So turn to your neighbor and say, are your bags packed? Some of you, all right. One of my favorite comedians, Jerry Seinfeld. If you've ever seen Seinfeld, one of my favorite TV shows. He makes this observation that wherever we are, we're not really settled there because we're always thinking about where we need to be next, all right? And where our mind races off to where we need to be. And some of you right here are probably thinking that right now. I need to be here, I need to get lunch ready, I need to go to this store, I need to shop for some groceries, I need to do a whole bunch of things, right? Because the reality is that it seems like we're never comfortable for long where we are because our mind races off into where we need to be, where we need to be next. And so we're in a constant state of flux because we're always thinking about where we need to be and we're never really present where we are, right? So this series is about how to be prepared to get where you need to be from where you are, from where you currently got to, from where you were. That's too long to put on the screen, so we just said pack your bags, <laughs> right? Or how to be prepared for what's next, right? How to be prepared for what's next. Now, all of you have something coming up in your life. Always, always something new, right? More, all of us have something coming up. 
doesn't matter what it is but we have something coming up next right for some of you it might be moving into a new house for some of you it might be just thinking about moving into a new house planning a new house some of you are starting a new job some of you are starting a new school a new course some of you are thinking about getting married right that's exciting preparing for marriage you know graduating from school or friend who's graduating from school or friend who's thinking about graduating from school moving to a new city moving to a new country whatever it may be we always have something something big on the horizon something that is next that we're thinking about and hopefully you're excited about this move that's next but also we're a little bit nervous right because we're not sure what it is for example I thought that when we move into this building everything will go smoothly that I thought it would be great but talking to some of our leaders that just does not happen right what you expect to happen what you think is going to happen not always happens it's not a smooth run as you think it is right and so that's why we we sometimes have a little bit of anxiousness because you've never really been this way before this is even though you might know what it is you've never actually been there so it's brand new and so it's kind of nerve-wracking a little bit even though we might be a little bit excited and it's exciting to move into a new house it's exciting to get married it's exciting to start a new job it's exciting to get new things in your life but there's still a little bit of nervousness there so it's that way can I tell you why because whatever is next means that is transition and transition means change and change even though it's good change is stressful right change even though it's good change is stressful you know I've been having a conversation with some of the young people that want to get married and they've been telling me how excited they are but how also how much stress they are because they're getting all the stuff that they've never done before organizing wedding cakes organizing venues organizing who needs to come and who can't come you know that's stressful right there you're not on the list you're on the list right a lot of stress involved exciting times stressful endeavors right so here's a question for you are there things that we can do now to prepare for what's next is it even possible and the reason I ask you that is even though you might know what's next you may have never experienced this so how can you really do something to be prepared for something that's next if you've never actually experienced it before right can you prepare but the answer is yes you can you can be prepared you can actually really prepare for what's next in your life so let me give you two quick points before we dive deep into this and so you can have a perspective you can keep this in mind so you don't leave perspective because if you lose a little bit of perspective it can actually take you off course and get you entangled in things that you didn't really plan on or want to do with right so most of you will be able to identify hopefully all of you will identify with at least one of these two points right because it's really important so here we go so regardless of where you are going or getting ready for or what you're packing for or what you're planning for whether it's a move whether it's a marriage it's a new child some of you may be having a child a second child a third child a new job a new house a new life regardless of what you are getting ready for you pack you right because wherever you go 
there you are wherever you go there you are and this is important because in our minds we trick ourselves into thinking once I get there things will be different once I do this things will be different once I change my job things will get better once I move into a new house it'll all be good we trick ourselves once my kids grow up things will change once I have time for my marriage things will get better we fool ourselves into thinking that a new view and a new do makes a new you right we think once we're in a new environment a new place we have a new outlook a new location things will be different but a new new a new view and a new do does not result in a new you you carry your same attitudes with you you carry your same perspectives with you so just because your environment changes doesn't necessarily mean that you've changed you'll still have the same outlook you'll still have the same weaknesses you'll still have the same strengths you'll still have the same attitudes right so you just think about that for a second wherever you go there you are you just take yourself with you number two there's no connection between knowing what's next and being prepared for what's next just because you know what's coming doesn't mean you're prepared for it and a thousand disaster movies will tell you that right just because you know the comet's coming doesn't mean that it's not going to be a disaster just because you know the tidal wave is coming doesn't mean that houses aren't going to get wiped out just because you know what's coming doesn't necessarily mean you're prepared for what's next people still get overwhelmed even though they know you start a new job you're thinking this is going to be great but then you get overwhelmed you're going into a marriage you know every weekend all across the world saturday and sunday there's thousands of young people that stand up in front of a, a pastor or a priest like me and say i do right they're saying i do that doesn't necessarily know or they know they know what they're getting into they say I do but it's probably better if they say I really want to because they have no idea what they're getting into and sometimes if they're not prepared there's going to be hurdles obstacles ups and downs in that marriage that they have to get used to so just because you know what's coming doesn't necessarily mean that you know what's going to happen right we were all sometimes totally unprepared for the things we think about that since we know what's coming next we're prepared but that's not the case at all here's the point way better than a promise way better than a plan is preparation preparation trumps a plan and a promise every single time because preparation gets you ready for what's next I was talking to some of our leaders about the perspective of moving from one place to another and we might move physically to one place but mentally we're carrying our same attitudes with us so we might have moved into this new building it's a brand new place with new facilities but we're still doing the same practices that we did before and even though the environment has changed our attitudes at what we do here does not 
And so if we're expecting a different result, we have to have a different outlook and preparation. You can't have a new building and things will work out well if we have the same attitudes. Right? So wherever you are in life, we can actually be prepared for what's next. And the important thing and the good news today is that we get a lot of help. We have this amazing guy named James. Now, if you don't know about James, James is the brother of Jesus, right? And he has some great insight and knowledge and wisdom to share with us this morning. And it's important to note that he writes this document in the New Testament and gives us great leverage and understanding of how we can actually prepare for what's next. How we can actually pack our bags. Now, this is where we're going to end up today. I'm kind of giving you the spoiler. I'm kind of giving you the ending before we actually get into the story. But go with me, right? This is what James actually says as a conclusion as where we're going to end up. I'm going to paraphrase it. It comes from James chapter 1. He says this, If you do what I'm suggesting you do, you will be blessed in what you do. Right? If you do what I'm suggesting you do, you will be blessed in what you do. That's where he ends up. That's his conclusion to what he's going to share today. So, if you do what I'm saying in the next season, you will be blessed. There is something you can do in this season that will help you be blessed when you get to your next season. That is what James is trying to say. And there's great wisdom in what he says. Because he says you will be blessed. James, if you know anything about him, was not one of Jesus' disciples. In fact, James thought that his brother Jesus was crazy. He said he's a crazy person. Then when Jesus died, he probably thought, what a waste of a life. Right? Because here's this crazy guy spouting off all these things. Now he's dead. What's the point of this? But after the resurrection of Jesus, he encountered him. And James thought, wow, I got this completely wrong. And he said that Jesus, his brother, was actually his Lord. And he began to worship. And, and you know and it, about James, he actually becomes the leader of the church in Jerusalem. He's so much invested and begins to understand who Jesus actually is. From thinking about what he was, to his brother, crazy brother, to being his Lord. And he gives us this wisdom. And this is what he says in James chapter 1, verse 22. He says... Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Right? Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Here's what James is saying. Don't be fooled into thinking just because you heard it, it's going to make a difference in your life. Right? Just because you heard it doesn't mean it's going to make a difference in your life. If you think hearing it or listening to it, or reading it is the only thing that makes a difference in your life you are deceiving yourself that is what he's saying and this is a big deal for us because this is how we think this is what we do on a regular basis this is what we do all the time since I'm in the room since I'm in the building since I'm in the church since I'm here for three weeks in a row I'm a better person since I'm present I must be a better person. And 
don't get me wrong it's great to be in a circle it's great to be in a row it's great to be in church but that's not all that's going to make a difference in your life that's not it and that's why James says don't be fooled or deceived into thinking just because you are here that that is going to make a difference just being present does not bring transformation that is what James is trying to communicate just because you're here does not mean there's going to be some radical change in your life so just because you heard the scripture just because you listened to it being talked about just because you might have read it on the screen says don't be deceived that it's going to make a difference so the question then is so James what does make a difference and James would be like I'm glad you asked right because he says this do what it says right here's the thing don't merely listen to the word so you deceive yourself do what it says because listening is not going to do anything it's in the doing that brings the transformation so it's not enough to just hear it's not enough just to listen it's not enough just to read do what it says that's what James is saying the goal is not just to hear the goal is not just to be present the goal is not just to listen the goal is not just to read the goal is to actually do it right that's what makes the difference you've had to do something with what you've heard and so he continues on and this is actually so amazing so amazing guys listen to this he says anyone is that all of us all you me anyone that's you and me who listens to the word but does not do what it says and lean into this part because this is amazing it's one of the most amazing illustrations in all of scripture it's so powerful and amazing this is what he says it's like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away immediately and forgets what he looks like this is the point that James is trying to make to listen to scripture and not do anything about it is like you getting up in the morning you're looking at yourself in the mirror and you go wow that's horrible and then just going along your merry way just going to work just going to coffee just going for catch-ups going to your school and not making any difference and forgetting completely what you look like right that's what James is saying because when you look in the mirror we are to remember or we are to actually realize that something needs to change when you see something you have to do something why because a mirror requires a response that's what James is trying to point out a mirror requires a response I know a secret about all of you you know what it is 
I know how long you stand in front of the mirror every day. All of you, I know exactly how long you stand. You're saying, you know how? You stand there till it gets better. Right? That's as long as you stay there until you go, wow, this horribleness needs to go and my hair needs to be fixed, my makeup needs to be put on. I'm going to stay here till it gets better. That's what you do. And maybe some of you thought it was great, it was good, you got yourself together and just as you're heading out to the door, you glance yourself in the mirror and you thought, no, 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 that's not good enough. I'm going to go back. So you went back, you were late for school, you were late for work, you were late for coffee, you were late for catch-up because you thought this is just not good enough. Maybe this is a hat day, maybe you pulled something back, you pulled something down, you put something on, you took something off, whatever it is, you were late because it was just not good enough. You with me? So you were late for your appointments, you were late for breakfast, you were late to meet your friend because they were just not good enough. Because that's what a mirror does. A mirror requires a response. Now, here's where it gets really interesting and it's actually what James is talking about. And this is how we actually deceive ourselves. In the real world, no one gets credit for looking in a mirror. Right? In the world we live in, no one gets actual credit for looking in a mirror. Because say you got up in the morning and you looked at yourself and you go, wow, that's horrible. And you went to work and you showed up and your boss said, wow, that's how you showed up. There's no way you're going to meet any clients. There's no way you're going to go out there and talk to any customers because do you see the way you look? And you said, but I looked in the mirror. Is that sufficient? What would your boss say? He would probably think you're crazy. See, because in the real world, you don't get credit for looking in a mirror. But in the matter of our personal development, in the matter of our personal lives, we do it all the time. We look at it and we just walk away. And that's what James is trying to say. In the realm of our personal behavior, in the realm of our personal development, we do this all the time. We look at it, we listen to it, we hear it, and we just walk right away. We don't do anything. We sit on a teaching every Sunday. We read the scripture. We read books. We listen to podcasts. And you know, that's where we, we say, well, that's great. I love that. That's awesome. That's so convicting. Great. What are you going to do about it? Well, nothing. I'm just going to come back next week for more conviction. We don't do anything with it. We just listen and go away. So James says, if that's your pattern, you are deceiving yourself. If it's that obvious and you're not actually doing it, you know you should do it, but you're not doing it, you are deceiving yourself because your presence doesn't make transformation. Just because you heard it doesn't mean it's going to change your life. Just because you read it doesn't mean you're going to have some radical new outlook on life. If you're in the habit of seeing something or hearing something or reading something but not doing it, guess what? When you move to your new season, when you move into your next step, you'll be doing nothing then. Because the habit of not doing now becomes the habit of not doing in your next season. 
your lack of preparation now becomes your lack of preparation in every season. Because a habit is taken into the next season and you won't be prepared. You won't be prepared for what happens next. But James continues on. He doesn't just stop there. Here's where he introduces us the habit that will prepare us for what's next. And again, James, so insightful, so much wisdom. This is what he says in verse 25. He says, but whoever, look around to the people next to you and say he's talking to you. But to whoever, whoever, is everyone whoever here? Whoever, right? Whoever looks intently. Now, pause for a second. I want you to explain this because this Greek meaning means you're just walking along you see something, you stop, you turn around, and you gaze intently. It's not just a casual glass. That's what the Greek word translates to in English. It's you stop and you stare. You stare till you get it. Right? He says that's what it means. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law and again this requires a little bit of explanation to what James actually means because the perfect law is not the law of the Jews that's not what he's talking about because when Jesus was doing his earthly ministry they came to him and said hey hey Jesus what's the greatest law and every Jew Jewish person would answer it exactly the same way they knew it by heart the number one law was to love the Lord your God with all your heart all your mind all your soul all your spirit they knew that but Jesus says this you know he changes it first century Jews knew that by heart but this is what Jesus says in Luke 10 he answered love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul with all your strength and with all your mind and he adds on something and love your neighbor as yourself these are the two greatest and he's not saying in sequence like this is one and this is two he's saying no no this is together together they, they make up the greatest law it's not just one or the other or one or, and then two it's together it's completing there's not one greater than that it's together this is the greatest love this is the greatest law. so Jesus has took those 631 laws that they had and reduced it down to two and then he actually brings it together but Jesus doesn't stop there. He goes even further than that. Because on the night of his death, he gathers his disciples together and he tells them, look, I'm giving you a new command. Right? And he says this, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. That's what he says. This is the law of Jesus. And this is the law that James is talking about. When you gaze intently into the law of Jesus Christ, Christ, the law of love love one another not as how you love each other not even as how your parents love one another love one another as the way I have loved you and he shows them this love because a few hours after he tells them this new command he's taken and he's killed and he gives his life for his friends and he says this is the love I'm talking about the love that gives constantly that gives even your very life for others this is the kind of love. And so James says now, but whoever looks intently into this perfect law, this is the law, the law of love of Jesus. Right? 
And he's not talking about the 631 Jewish laws that he distilled down to two. But then I think he even goes further than that when he says this law of love. Because it's the love that you responded to when God in you changed your life. And so he says, you need to be with the same love as the way God loves you. And so then James says something amazing. When you look intently into the perfect law, and when you do that, right? You're walking along, you see this, you stop, you stare, you focus until you get it. And then, he says, when you do it, that gives freedom and continues in it. It brings freedom and liberty. And James is practically screaming at us in this principle. He's telling us, get this, it's so important. It's a big deal, it's a huge deal, it's the best thing ever. This is so transformative. Don't just listen and walk away. Don't just hear and not do anything. You have to take it, do it, and then you will see transformation. You will remain unchanged if you just hear. But we do this, as I said before, all the time. We listen and we don't do anything with it. I'll give you two examples. And some of you might get really uncomfortable. But this is what Scripture says. Scripture teaches us to live in a certain way when it comes to money. Right? Vanessa messaged it, messaged, or messaged, mentioned it. My tongue is going everywhere. Mentioned it right up here. We're supposed to give a percentage to God. It's supposed to be first and it goes to Him. That's what it says. That's the way it's supposed to work. You give, you save, and you live. Learn that principle because that's what the scriptures talk about. You give first, you save second, and then you live. It's not the other way around, right? I remember when I first came to Christ, they taught me this law. Or they taught me this perfect law. And they taught me this. And taking a percentage and giving, this whole idea of taking your hard-earned money and giving it to the church didn't seem very liberating. It didn't seem very much like freedom, right? If we, Freedom is like, I'm going to get all this stuff. I'm going to live to the max. I'm going to pay a little bit in savings and then whatever I have left over, I throw to God. That sounds liberating because I'm just keeping it all for myself because it's all about me. I worked hard for this. Right? So giving first, this did not feel like obeying Jesus was leading to freedom. But there's a reason why we're commanded to be generous because generosity helps other people shocking concept right generosity helps other people and the reason we give is because it keeps our hands open and that translates into keeping our heart open and when we give we are like Jesus because he gave when Jesus says I want you to love like I do he says I've given my life for right we give so anytime we help someone or something we're actually being like Jesus so you give first you save second and you live on the rest 
And do you know what the result of this lifestyle is? I can tell you from my own experience, you live without lack. Because every time you get into the concept of me first, I want, I want, you become closed in, you become selfish, you think about yourself, and there's no one else in your world that you think about but you. Because it's all about you. You make yourself the God of this world. But when you give, you actually develop this. You actually get to this place of financial freedom because you automatically stay out of debt. Because you've been practicing this. You don't have to worry about it. And God in His infinite mercy and wisdom supplies all of your needs. And you don't have to worry. You don't have to stress about anything. And I can tell you from my own experience, this, keeps, this creates a template for how to manage your finances the rest of your life. And you'll never end up in a situation where you're craving for stuff and wanting stuff because God has managed it for you because you work according to what He says. Now, for some of us, we hear that all the time and we go, oh, I feel that conviction, but we don't do anything with it. And therefore, James says, you're deceiving yourself. Because your lack of preparation now, when you get in the next sin, you think you're saving to build a house or get a better car, whatever these things. But it doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. Because the more you get it to yourself, the more it disappears. It just works. Because that's exactly what scripture says. And that's how it works. But we do it all the time, right? We hear and we don't do. Here's another one. We're taught to forgive. And we say, well, why should I forgive? Well, God forgave you through Christ, right? You were left in a place of utter despondency till Christ came along and forgave you. So when we forgive, again, we're taking on the love of God in our life, but we're also distributing it. We're giving it to other people. I've loved you. I've forgiven you, says Jesus. Now go along and forgive everyone else. But the problem with forgiveness is, it feels like I'm punishing myself and I'm letting the other person who did me harm get away. That's what it feels like. And there's nothing intuitive about forgiving because it really feels like the other person is getting away scot-free. But if you do this over time, you will learn that the most liberating thing you can do for you is to forgive other people because it lets you out of your own prison it sets you free and so that's why Jesus says love forgiveness is not just a great concept it's not just a great idea you can think about and believe in forgiveness as, all as, as long as you want as much as you want but if you don't do the forgiving it doesn't do anything in your life it doesn't change you at all so James says, when you hear and do, it brings you freedom. So love like Jesus, not just as a concept, but as an action, as a habit of doing it in your life. And you will experience freedom. And James is right when he actually says, stop and stare into this incredible forgiveness and love of God. Stare at it intently and don't just walk away. Stare till you get it and then actually begin to do it right because that makes the difference because here's what's important because looking and doing now makes a difference in your next season or your next step because looking and doing now makes a difference in your next season and your next step and do you know why 
because the seasons in our life are connected. Everything you go through is connected. You don't have one isolated incident and then you have another isolated incident. It's connected. We cannot say, what I'm doing now, while I'm single, I won't do while I'm married. No, they're connected. Once I'm married, I'll do something different. No, no, no. They're connected. What I'm doing now, once I get a new job, I won't do. No, they're connected. And here's the full version of what James actually says. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Right? That's where we started off. I said, I'm giving you the conclusion. That's where we started off. And that's what James' conclusion is. You will be blessed in it. James is not saying that when you do it, you'll be blessed in the doing. That's not what he's saying. He's saying when you do it, you will be transformed and you will be blessed because you have been changed. You have experiences. And this is what he says. You'll be blessed. You know what blessed means? You'll be happy. You'll be fulfilled. You'll be content. You'll be satisfied in the doing. That's the payoff that James is saying. It happens in you in your response of what God has called you to do happens in you and in your response to what God has called you to do the habit of doing will make you happy and there's a personal fulfillment in responding to what you see in the mirror right and James is so amazing because that's what's going to prepare you for what's next because do, being a doer now will make you a doer then practicing now preparing now will make sure that you're preparing then see if you're not doing now and you think well once I get my new house new job new marriage new situation new season I'll get my act together then but it's too late then because they're all connected. If you're not doing the do's of single now, you won't do the do's of marriage later. If you're not doing the do's of school now, you won't do the do's of uni later. Because remember, a new view and a new do does not make a new you. Because you take the same perspective. And that is why the best preparation of what to do next is to do what God has called you to do in this season. This is what he's called you to do now because it sets you up for what God has called you to do in the season that follows. If you're not listening now, you won't listen then. If you're not doing now, you won't do then. If you're sitting on that seat and going, when God calls me, when God tells me this, when God says this, then I'll do. And he's asked you to do things already, but you're not doing, you'll not do then. Don't deceive yourself, James says. Don't fool yourself. You won't do it. Because you haven't practiced the practice of doing now. And when you step into your new season, when you do, you will be blessed. That's what James says. You know, the greatest regrets of my life are all associated with hearing and not doing. And I can guarantee that all of you here have the same experience. The greatest regrets you have is someone told you something, someone advised you something, someone helped you do something and you did not listen. You heard and said, I don't want to do that. 
that's your regrets. If I only listened, if I only heard, but what we're actually saying is, if I only did what someone advised me to do. The greatest regrets of your life is when you heard something you were told and you didn't do, or someone tried to tell you and you didn't want to hear, so you won't have to do. So if you're going to get prepared for what's next, pack your bags. If you're not doing now, you'll probably not do later. And you won't be prepared for what's next. Because doing what the scripture says is not just about hearing, but it's about doing that makes a difference. Now, I don't think this will surprise any of you, but Jesus taught the very same thing. Right? Here's his version. He says this in Matthew. He says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. And this is what Jesus is saying. You heard and you built on the practice of doing. So when trouble came, you went destroyed. And then he gives us the opposite, the contrast. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. What is Jesus teaching us? How you lay a solid foundation for your life is not just hearing his words, but putting them into practice. And when things get hard, when things get tough, when things get difficult, your life won't fail. You won't crash. It won't come crashing down all around you. It won't end in disaster. Have you ever been around someone where their life came crashing down? And it goes back to foolish decisions. Always. Always bad decisions. Didn't listen to good advice. Didn't take things the way they should. Did things they shouldn't have done. And it crashed all around them. That's what Jesus says. He's so practical. Don't just come and hear and walk away. It will not change your life. It won't get better. You won't have anything commendable to be or do. But when you actually put his words into practice, when you hear, and that's what James echoes, when you hear this perfect law of love and you don't put it into practice, you're deceiving yourself because there's no point. You've wasted your time by just sitting here and listening but not doing. It's a deception. So I'm done. Two questions and then we're going. Number one, what do you need to start doing that you know you should be doing but are not? Right? What do you need to start doing that you know you should be doing but are not? Listen to James again. Right? There's things in your life for example, James talked to us, Jesus talked to us, scriptures talked to us, friends talked to us, pastors talked to us, leaders talked to us, and you just don't want to listen. They're not being deceived. You're the only one that's going to be deceived. And you're deceiving yourself. Because you're looking in the mirror, 
you're saying, wow, that's horrible. And then you just walk away, forget about what it is. And as I said before, in the real world, you don't get credit for looking in the mirror. But when it comes to scripture, it's about our character. When we look into the, the mirror is the word of God. And when we look into the mirror and it reflects something that we are not, we have to take on the reflection of what we should be. And not walk away forgetting who we are. Amazing illustration of James. Number two. What are you doing now that you shouldn't be doing that you tell yourself, I won't do that later? What are you doing now that you shouldn't be doing that you tell yourself, I won't do that later? What are you doing that you think, well, it's just a temporary season. No one will know. I don't have to talk about it. I don't have to tell anyone. I know when I get this here, when I get this, when the kids get older, when you know my job starts, or when I come out of isolation, or when I do this, things will change. James says you're deceiving yourself. Jesus says your world will come tumbling down in a crash. We don't want our lives to come tumbling down, right? So let's be not just hearers and readers and listeners, but let's actually be doers of what scripture actually tells us to. Because it's in the doing that we are transformed to be more like Christ. Amen? Let's stand. I love scripture because sometimes it's so confronting, right? Sometimes it's like, I don't want to hear that because I know I have to do something, so I just don't want to hear it. But it's amazing that God looks into our hearts, into our lives. And we're not the first ones to have this experience. We'll not be the last ones to read this and have this experience. But don't let conviction be a habit without the doing because sometimes we get into this mode especially as Christ followers that we come to church to feel bad and when we feel bad then we feel good after because we know we did something we shouldn't so now you're telling me to feel bad so I feel bad but I'm okay now and so we just come back next week to feel bad again that's not how God wants you to live he wants you to live in freedom and liberty. It's not about feeling bad. It's about transformation. It's about doing and hearing and doing. And yes, we do have regrets and we do have failures. But that's the amazing thing about Jesus. He forgives everyone all the time. He doesn't pick and choose favorites. Whatever you did, no matter where you went, no matter what you did, he's forgiven you. And he gives you some amazing principles that if you do, your life will be blessed. Blessed. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you're really encouraged by today's message. Also, I'd like to say that if you have any questions or you'd like to follow Jesus, 
please get in touch with us by connecting on the email shown below and we would be more than happy to help you uh, begin your journey. If you'd like to support Transform Church, please uh, copy the link shown below into your web browser, which provides you with all your giving options. So once again, thank you very much for joining us. We hope that you're energised and encouraged by today's message. We look forward to seeing you again very soon. So have a fabulous week and see you then. Bye for now.